0: We continue exactly where we stopped at the last broadcast, but we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, almost to the end of the chapter, and we find that in the last two verses, Paul enumerates a number of sins that were found in the Corinthian church, and sins that were common in the society in which they lived, and sins that are very common in the society in which we live and are found in the churches that we attend and belong to, and even, no doubt, found many of them in our own lives as well. And they need to be recognized for what they are, sin. They need to be acknowledged if they are present in our lives. They need to be confessed to God and His forgiveness sought. They need to be forsaken with the help of God's Spirit dwelling within us, they need to be put behind us. And sometimes that's going to require some real wrestling because sin is an enemy, and it is a very tenacious enemy. enemy. And it will do its best to lay hold upon our souls and to drag us down into the mud. And so these sins, sometimes not considered very diff- very uh, dangerous to modern society, are nevertheless very destructive to our spiritual health, and that's why Paul is dealing with them in this particular epistle. And so, thank you for joining me on this Monday, November 13, and for remembering that we are dependent upon radio listeners for the finances necessary to continue this teaching on this station. Well, you recall that Paul is getting ready to come and visit the Corinthian church. He sends the second epistle to prepare for that visit and to point out the things that need to be corrected, and then says, I will delay my visit long enough for you to deal with these things so that when I come, I don't have to deal with them. But if you don't deal with them, when I come, I will. And that means that our visit is not going to be the happy, joyful one that you would want it to be, and that I would want it to be, and that would be helpful and edifying to us. But when there is sin that has not been dealt with, that needs to be dealt with first. You have to get the sin out before you can enjoy the blessings of God. And so here's what he said in verse 20, "...for I fear, lest when I come I shall not find you as I wish, and that I shall be found by you as you do not wish." Lest there be, and here's the list, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults. And then verse 21, Lest when I come again my God will humble me among you, and I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness, fornication, and lewdness which they have practiced. Well, back to the list in verse 20, contentions, arguing, strife, divisions, jealousies, that feeling that arises in our heart and causes us to envy other people and to be jealous of them and to covet what they have, and that is a sin against God. It breaks the Tenth Commandment, thou shalt not covet, and we need to deal with it. And the way we deal with it, as I pointed out on the broadcast Friday, is that we learn, like the Apostle Paul learned and tells us about in the Philippians chapter 4, we need to learn in whatever state we are therewith to be content. And that's the place where Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And that's the all things he's talking about. God's strength enables me to be as content with poverty as with wealth, with scarcity as with abundance. I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. I've learned to be content with all of these things. It had to be learned. It didn't come quickly. It didn't come instantly. It didn't come upon my entrance into the Christian life. It didn't come automatically with the new birth. It had to be learned, but it had to be learned. It had to be learned by the Apostle Paul and it has to be learned by us so that we can be perfectly content with Christ and the blessings which he bestows and the fellowship which we have with him and with what he, in his sovereign, gracious wisdom, assigns to us. What he gives to us of this world's goods, what he gives to us of this world's opportunities, what he gives to us of this world's gifts and talents, and so forth, on and on it goes. And whatever we have, we gratefully receive and we faithfully use for the honor and glory of Christ and in His service, and we don't covet what others have. The one-talent man doesn't covet what the three-talent man has. The three-talent man doesn't covet what the five-talent man has. We rid ourselves of these jealousies because if we don't Rid ourselves of them. They're going to be destructive to us and to others eventually and to our local church because the next thing in the list is outbursts of wrath. And when anger spews forth, many, many times that's exactly what's at the heart of it. Jealousy causes us to burst out in anger. And when you find yourself angry, Don't say, oh, that was just a slip of the tongue. Oh, that isn't what I'm really like. Recognize that this is a manifestation of what you are inside, but it can be corrected. That's the good news. In the power of God's Holy Spirit, you don't have to be that way, but when you manifest that kind of temper, you are manifesting what's really there. As Jesus taught us, out of the abundance of the heart— the mouth speaks. It doesn't speak out of out of a vacuum. Doesn't speak out of nowhere. Oh, that just came out of nowhere. It grabbed me by the by the nape of the neck and made me spew forth that outburst of anger. No, it was a an eruption of something that was within you, like a volcano. A volcano boils and boils and boils, and then eventually it boils over. And when the volcano boils over, the scientist doesn't say, well, what do you know? That came out of nowhere. He knows better than that, and so do you. If you know anything about volcanoes, you know that there has been this seething mass of boiling lava rumbling around inside that mountain for some time. And when it gets to a certain point, it erupts. And woe to the person who gets in the way of it. And when our hearts are filled with jealousy toward others and discontentment with what God has given to us, that at some point that jealousy and that discontentment are going to erupt into anger toward others, particularly those that we are jealous of, when we haven't gotten our way because we haven't submitted to God's way. And that outburst of wrath comes out, and boy, then it creates all kinds of havoc. And when you lash out at someone, it is very, very, very damaging. We like to think, well, that was just a little slip of the tongue, and that'll soon be forgotten. By God's help and grace, if that person that you lashed out at is a Christian, they will do their best to forget it. But it's difficult to forget, and if, when, some time has passed, and it seems like The uh, anger has been dealt with, and then it erupts again. Now it's going to be more difficult. It's, It's not that the person that you're angry with, if they are a Christian, it's not that they're not able and willing to forgive, but it is that they become less trusting. What they don't know is, are you working on this? I can forgive you because Christ has forgiven me for many sins, and I can forgive you because because I I have been forgiven by Christ, and that's, that's what Christians do. I can forgive you. I can forgive you for sure if you ask me to. Have you asked? Christians are under command. When someone sins against us, when they ask for forgiveness, we are under obligation to forgive. We don't say, well, I don't know oh, if I can forgive that. That was so very, very hard. You'll just have to let me think about that for a while. No, not if you are a Christian under the command of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will do exactly what he says, but forgiving a person for their transgression against you and trusting them when that same transgression seems to manifest itself over and over and over again are two different matters. If somebody steals from you and restores what they stole, and asks you to forgive them, you forgive them. But you're going to watch them a little more carefully. If they do it again, you're going to watch them very carefully. If they do it again, even if they ask to be forgiven again, you are going to put things out of sight when when they're around. You're going to put things under lock and key when they're around. You're unwise if you don't. It's not a matter of being willing to forgive, but it's a matter of recognizing that there's something going on inside this person that hasn't been dealt with. He wants me to forgive him, but he apparently isn't dealing with his own sins before the Lord because they just keep cycling back and back and back. And yes, because God has been so gracious to me and has forgiven me for far, far, far more wrongs toward him than I have ever has ever had committed to me by others, so yes, I will forgive, I will gladly forgive, but I'm also going to keep a close watch on that person and keep a tight grip on things for his sake as much as for mine. I'm actually doing him a favor if I make it harder for him to steal. It's not good. We don't like to lose things. We don't like to have things stolen from us, to be sure, but actually, it's just things. But it's not good for that person who's doing it. It's not good for his spiritual welfare. It's it's a it's a manifestation that something is dreadfully wrong in his heart. And so, forgiving is one thing, but trusting is something else. When somebody bursts out with anger over and over and over again, they ever never can seem to get that conquered and behind them and and. Uh, contained so that it's not erupting regularly from time to time, you get to the place where you don't trust them. You get to the place where you really don't want to be around them. I'm talking to some of you who have marriage problems, and this is the reason why, because of those outbursts of anger, that you, mister, and it may be missus, that you, mister, think is a little thing. Oh, that just, well, that's just me. you just got to understand, I'm Irish or something like that. I'm German or I'm this or I'm that. You are a fallen, sinful son of Adam. That's what you are, as we all are. That's the problem, of course. But the question is, if you are a child of God, why hasn't that been committed to Christ? And why isn't he giving you the help you need to overcome it? And if not, then are you professing something which is not real? Is it manifesting something about you that that actually reveals more of what you really are than what you profess to be? So watch out for those contentions. Watch out for those jealousies. Watch out for those outbursts of anger. And recognize how harmful these sins are when we do not deal with them and conquer them in the power of the Lord. Until tomorrow, this is Greg Barkman, Bible teacher on The Beacon broadcast, saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.